This is the one with good bill hunting. Stars in their eyes. A naughty professor. A penguin with its arse on fire. And a puddle in a muddle who just wants a cuddle. It's called The Pilots. Here we go. Whistle on our epic race. All through time and all through space. Whistle Bean and Angels are. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Everybody out there, wonderful people of podcast land, you are all fantastic. I hope you're doing well. We're doing well. We're a Doctor Who podcast. Or podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Who Back When. I should probably should have started with that. And this fine day, we are um, reviewing N132, The Pilot, which is... Da, 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 that was about a little attempt at a drum roll, sorry. <laughs> Bill's first episode. Woohoo! Yes, who indeed? Yes, Everybody's well, excited by that. <laughs> Let's Pretty see who's, who's here being excited to welcome Bill Potts. With me via the internet wearing blue today is the one, oh, the only. It's me. It's Leon. Hello. Hi, Marie. Hi, Podcast Land. Hi, Leon. And the dashing gentleman uh, sitting directly above him in the marvelous t shirt. It is. Greetings. It's Drew back when. <laughs> Hello, Drew. Hello. What are you Drew. doing sitting uh, on top of me? <laughs> Wouldn't well you like to know? <laughs> I've got plans for you, my boy. I feel like we are off to a good start. Because <laughs> in <laughs> in one, fr- I mean, this is an audio podcast. No one saw that, but uh, podcast land. At the same time, Marie was drinking. Was, were you just necking Bailey's? Is that what you're necking? Uh, unbranded Irish whiskey. <laughs> okay, cream, great. Irish cream. Yeah, Irish cream. <laughs> Drew was necking a cider, and I'm necking a martini. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in for a treat. And that just leaves me with myself to introduce. <laughs> I am, of course, Marie, and welcome to our podcast. Lovely to see you all today, this fine day. Hello, Marie. <laughs> so, everyone's super-duper excited to welcome the magnificent Bill Potts to the podcast, I assume. Oh, magnificent is she. Is that going to go unchallenged? Interesting. Are you not a fan, Drew? I'm, I'm, I don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you're just throwing around adjectives now and they're just passing unanimously, are they? As I say, if you're going to challenge my use of magnificent, I am going to come at you, Drew. We are going oh to go head to head. Yes. I, I thought I was safe now Clara was by. out. I thought you were safe now Clara was out, but sod it. No, I'm all over Bill. Bill's my new face. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. No challenge for me, by the way, Marie. I am a, a big fan of Bill. Excellent. Hmm. Well, shall we dive into a beast cow and then we can get down to the business of praising Bill? <laughs> Slash tearing <laughs> this apart. <laughs> Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Bill Potts is a potato-pushing peon in the canteen of St. Luke's University in Bristol. When she's not cramming carbon 
hydrates into her crushes. She's devouring free didactics <laughs> from the resident lunatic lecturer on campus. None other than the 12th Doctor. Doc notices her propensity to smile at his wibbly-wobbly jibber-jabber while others frown and agrees to tutor her personally on the more abstruse academic aspects of timey-wimeyness. Later, they bond over not having enough pictures of significant others. But all is not well in the remote corners of the university grounds. A persistent puddle that mimics rather than mirrors is reflecting badly on a starry-eyed student who was damp enough for Bill to begin with and who now won't say no to giving her a warm soak. Miss Gower, you are welcome. Who has introductory <laughs> questions? Um, my introductory question is... <laughs> Let's is hear it. Bill, is Bill the best companion we've ever had? And is this the best introductory episode for a companion ever? And if not, why not? Oh. I think uh, one of those questions is easier to answer than the other. Yeah, after exactly. After watching only one. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a little bit of a new season, new companion? Is this slightly reboot territory? I think Stephen Moffat was very open about this was slightly reboot territory, explicitly calling it the pilot and in various interviews saying, this is our comeback. Please, can we have a new audience? Oh, really? (laughs) Because whilst watching this, I did get slight Rose versus the Autons vibes. Like the same kind of peril that Rose experiences when she's facing off with the the Autons in Rose. Mm. We kind of get that like when when Bill is in the bathroom, for example, when she's approaching the the sink and the shower and all that. It felt a little bit like Rose walking in the basement, like in the tunnels underneath wherever it is, Debenhams or something. Yeah, and there are (laughs) corridors and running. All the core Doctor Who elements. From a, a companion who has never seen an alien and would never have been subjected to this kind of thing, you know. So for but that that's reason, true of most of them. I suppose. Okay. Before they, yeah. Before your first adventure with the Doctor, very few people have seen an alien. Okay, that is true. But possibly, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're trying to say. This is a return to a classic companion introducing formula. With Amy, she had this whole mythological backstory of she was the the little girl with the crack in a wall and Clara was the impossible girl. And here, we just have a young, barely 20-year-old human woman who's up for experiencing more than she has in her life to date and ever will unless she meets the Doctor. Thank goodness she just did. Do you know what? There's actually, I think it does call back to Rose. Um, I don't know if it's that particular episode, but that character... I remember them so many times, like, going for chips and that being, like, a running thing. And just that she's just this normal girl who hasn't experienced anything. Oh, is, is that a, a conversation she has with Jackie? She's like, she's like, go get chips, mom. And Jackie's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bit of trivia associated with this as well. Uh, but anyway, sorry, before launching into trivia, I wanted to say, like, in, in answer to your question, I feel like I don't know if this is the... This is a really, really good character introduction or companion introduction. But I wonder if it almost sort of mirrors the Rose introduction in many ways. The, the bit of trivia is that, like, there are blatant references to Rose here. Oh, yeah. Okay, so check this out. I'm reading this off Todd's week. Yeah, Bill works in the university carrying chips. Rose once lamented that she would end up in a similar job and actually did go undercover serving chips in a school. <gasps> that was oh, it. Wow. I could picture her serving chips. Yeah. I couldn't work out why. Yeah. Bill's alarm clock has the exact same ringtone as Rose's. No, really? Yeah, and last but not least, both are shown waking up to that alarm and going about their lives in a montage. The reason I asked 
the question is obviously because I think it is the best companion instruction because quite a lot of it you've already touched on Drew is that with Amy and Clara there was so much build up like the Amy story felt like we had like by the end of it we'd known her for years and you get to see her from a little girl all grown up so it's putting on this mythological kind of element that not everybody has and then Clara I was chatting with Jim about this and we, we couldn't quite work out what her first episode was because is it is she <laughs> there is are the so first many... episode as a companion yeah when she pulls the phone box and gets the doctor or, or but she's already been in it quite a lot before then and so it's just it's a very very different thing and there's this like yeah, is, is she the like governess or whatever she is or is she in the Dalek and yada yada yeah yeah that's good so point. it's all a bit complicated but as a just as a straight up Here's a random person off the street who I've, you know, never met before and is going to turn into a companion. I really, really like this episode. I think you warm to Bill so, so quickly. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is because she is chosen. Like every other time, it's circumstance. So you're in the middle of, a, a, you know, an alien invasion and someone's in the right place at the right time and the doctor runs out and grabs your arm and suddenly you're running with the doctor and you're the new companion sort of de facto. But this way, like he, out of hundreds of people in that auditorium, he saw her. He saw that she like was getting something from it. It was responding in a way that was different to all the other students that were there. And he's intrigued by her enough to invest time into her and energy. And like I think there's quite a long passage of time before they get to the alien stuff. Like yeah. she gives him a Christmas present. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think that's really, really nice. Yeah. And they've gone three months. They got to know each other. And that's not even the end of the process. He's going to wipe her mind at the end. And okay, she gets lucky with the uh cool what if you had to go through this say eh? that change your mind and it and it mm. does but it's a whole thing Literally. it's not just oh you said a, a line that sounds quite like a line Stephen moffat would write you're gonna be my new companion there's a whole build up and payoff exactly in fact the only reason she gets into she goes and finds the doc and nardal like under the university looking at the whatever the alien think tech is the vault because nardal the vault because nardal it's the security as friends only yes and exactly she gets in because she's already a friend <laughs> yeah because even, even the ai kind of recognizes her intentions i love that bit that's such a nice little exactly. detail yeah really nice yeah well a, a lot of the best poetry is someone thinks of something that's just outside of your zone of proximal development and reaches a hand back and you make that connection with them and you feel good and you're like oh that's such a nice way of putting it and you have admiration for this person all at the same time moffat is thinking how can i make people realize that they are friends without having one say to the other you my friend mate yeah oh we have so much in common we, yeah. yeah this is how he does it and it's great yeah. Stephen moffat where is that guy <laughs> oh. come back steve hey he can be hit and miss yeah, that's true but hit and I miss mean... is better than miss miss and maybe hit and then another miss <laughs> so yeah i'm on board bill has fantastic chemistry with the doctor in a way that i'm not sure he had with clara necessarily like th there were times when clara was sort of written to be blatantly bolshy but sort of charmingly bolshy in the same way that rose was written to be just maybe less charmingly bolshy <laughs> You know, like Clara was, yeah. was independent, but on on an almost cartoonish level. And Bill is 
just herself. Like she she dares to be herself, which is maybe we should put a pin in that because that's an that's also an interesting topic to go into. In many ways, she unfortunately does not. But yeah, those two they a click between them almost instantaneously. Yeah. Now you say Rose was bolshy to an, to an almost cartoonish level. I'll have you know Donna was bolshy to an almost cartoonish level. Rose was nowhere near. She was way down the scale. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's true i think my cartoonish was in reference to clara's independence like the the oh, oh i don't oh, need you doctor i'm just gonna lead my own life it's like no you're insane you're saying no to interdimensional travel and like intertemporal adventures that's crazy bananas no one would say no to that but um but it works within the logic of the story here no, I like she's she's just super duper charming from the get go. In fact, there's even th- there's a really nice interplay between her and Nardole. Mm. Like also from the start, but like really those two, like Nardole is now the tenured companion who really has he's ex- experienced with of traveled with uh, or having traveled with the doctor and can like you almost see him take her under his wing even though he absolutely does not deserve it cuz <laughs> he's a he's such a dilettante but but yeah yeah and when he lifts his arm to let her under the wing grommets and connectors fall out <laughs> This is this is one of my questions for you guys. Is Nardole a robot now? Does he have, does he have a robot body? Well, it does make sense because the, there was the line about the Doctor rebuilding his body, and as far as I'm aware, the Doctor can't create humans. So, oh, is that so what he said? I thought he said regrew. How did he say no. grow? I probably misremember yeah. this. In the last one, I think he just plonked his head on a different body. In this one, we get competing, <laughs> opposing hints because Nardole, Nardole's arm whirs gratingly upwards and a bit of machinery falls out, but he also leaves a bad smell in the TARDIS toilet later on. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm, true. Yeah. Maybe it's just a really oily smell. Not, <laughs> so not hot. Cleaned his pipes out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, cleaned his pipes. Do you mean he went in there and had a really oily robot wank? <laughs> you, you might want to give this a little, give this an hour or two. But I really like Nardal and Bill. And again, I can't. You can't help but look forward and compare it to the Whitaker episodes with multiple multiple companions. And we've always said, oh, there's too many. None of them get to shine. They don't have their own personalities. And in this one episode, I feel like I care more about Bill from this one episode than I do any of the other companions to come. And yeah, and they her and Nardole work really, really nicely together. And it feels like there's a place for both of them. They're not competing. <gasps> Drew's, Drew's making a Oh, he's making face. faces, <laughs> podcast land. He's making faces like, like, what the hell are you talking here. about? <laughs> Stop talking so I can correct you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. I mean, tell tell yeah, us why Nardole is a bad companion. shouting. It was bellowing in <laughs> silence, contorting so loudly. It was It was when you said um, her and Nardole work, work so well together. I They don't compete, yes, but I am not convinced by Nardole in this episode. I didn't like when he lifted his arm at the start and was like, and that just goes unquestioned. And then later he runs right and the doctor goes left as if he doesn't know where the vault is. And then oh, he's I like, like oh, that. I'm not there. I don't I like going there. Cute. Like Frank Spencer. Oh, it's oh, interesting. See, too much. There was a scene with Nardole that I didn't like in this that I thought was really quite poorly executed. And I assumed that you were going to go for that. But yeah, everything that you've just mentioned, I absolutely adored. Leon, what part didn't 
didn't you absolutely adore? It was the bit when Nod, it's the scene where they're heading towards the cleansing fire, quote unquote, and Nod was like, oh, can I say no? I was like, no, you can't say no. I was like, oh, well, yes then, but it's really no. And like, that whole sequence, not just that line, that line is kind of fine, but, but the delivery of the lines and his perplexed panic is yeah i i didn't think that that was delivered particularly well i thought that was too caricaturistic yeah um, i mean if if you wanted the audience to feel apprehension for where Bill was going to end up next. Nardol does not succeed in that at all. Even when the Daleks appear, instead of, oh, this must be really dangerous because what we've just seen, it's just like, mm, no, okay, Daleks are back. But is is there an no element Bill. of Nardol is so childishly charming? I mean, he is quite childish. Is, wait, 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 hear me out, hear me out. Is Sorry, there... my fa- I cannot <laughs> silence my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Press a mute button on your face for a second. No, no, no. Don't go crazy neutral either, Drew. <laughs> Podcast land. Drew just turned into an auton. Uh, so <laughs> is, there an, is there an element here of Nardole is portrayed as so childish, so innocent, so... I mean, I think he's really charming, but you don't necessarily need to agree. But could it be that he is so much so in all of these directions that wherever they go, if he's there, that will almost immediately nullify any sense of dread or peril that you might otherwise have. If Capaldi went into some cleansing fire with Bill, there's no Nardole there. Like, yeah, well, this might be genuinely dangerous, but if you send Nardole there, then you know, ah, this is going to turn into the Scooby gang. I mean, that definitely rings true. I think I agree. And I think, I don't think I felt a sense of danger or fear for the Dalek scene. I definitely, definitely did for other parts of this. I thought this was a really scary episode, actually. And so because they did the rest of it so well, I kind of feel like the intention wasn't for that to be a scary scene. Like, Bill doesn't know who these things are, so she's not scared. Nardole does the whole, oh, I don't really want to go. But he does. And he just, I don't know even know what he does. He just runs around turning them off with the Sonic or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That was not great. Yeah, yeah, but it's a comedy scene. It's not that. That's not the point of the scene where the tension is. This is just a little nod to oh, where's the you know the harshest fire in the universe? But the scary part is when you're looking into the oil and you see the screaming face of her crush looking back at you like the star-eyed girl. That is so fucking scary. Yeah, that's super creepy. That is scary, but having the Daleks be scary would not detract from that. And in fact, if you made the Daleks super scary and then she just summarily defeats them, then she's fucking terrifying. I agree. Yes. Uh, Here's my friend who agrees with me. Also, Marie, here's another scene that was freaking crazy mega creepy, and that is when Wet Heather uh, (laughs) is... Uh, underneath the tree and she's just sort of floating forwards when when bill approaches her the exact same distance is also traversed by heather but she's not moving her legs she's just sort of floating like a like a reflection effectively like floating towards her like oh gross anti-boner and then she's so creepy and then she starts um copying the language that she's saying which is is what they do in the um what's the diamond diamond yes oh yes that's right what's it called midnight midnight yeah. yeah, which was also incredibly, incredibly scary. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I really, really liked all that. I thought, I, I don't remember being that scared by a Doctor Who episode for a very long time. Yeah. And it was a really welcome surprise. Yeah. So are we yeah, saying that we like this episode so much because instead of Moffat copying his old greatest hits, he's copying RTD's greatest hits? <laughs> 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 
Well, you're raising a good point here, yes. <laughs> I, I was annoyed by that scene, though, because once she repeats Bill's second line, and it's obvious that she's just mirroring, you run and you sprint in the other direction as fast as possible. Yeah, like, you she's just going to run away as well. <laughs> no, but you don't. Backwards. This is the point. Because at this point, Bill doesn't know that she's in a horror film. She doesn't know that it's a sci-fi. She just thinks this is the girl that I was hitting on last week in the club. And for some reason she's wet and she's a bit scared. Yeah, and um, for some reason I just saw her eye down the drain five minutes ago. But maybe she's a yeah. plumber on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And also, there's like there's water pouring out of her, like like she's a yes. zombie from the Waters of Mars episode. There's just tons and yeah. tons of water. That she's not standing on some sort of culvert. She's not in a yeah. pool. Like where is this she's water not coming from? The sprinkler. Exactly. No, that's but fine. Bill's, I'm just going to approach this Bill's woman. Really, Bill's really kind and really brave and really um, inquisitive and so she doesn't run away she wants to know what's happening she's asking the right questions um, and she stands the ground if she ran away she'd be a rubbish companion why does Bill why is Bill so into Heather like Heather is clearly super duper crazy bananas also yeah. she's super rude also she like <laughs> uh, <laughs> She doesn't seem super interested. Like, at some point, even if Bill doesn't know that there's a sci-fi context to this, like, she should just kind of take a hint and go, yeah, I guess this girl who's fucking clearly an alien is <laughs> maybe not into me. <laughs> well, she's only an alien after she's possessed by the oil. Okay, I mean, that's true. That's true. But To okay. start with, she's just uh, got the awkwardness of a goth without any of the stylings. Charm. Or, or the... Yeah. <laughs> Or the eyeliner or any of it. Yeah, or the social graces or the uh, <laughs> just the common decorum, the, the, the habit of saying hello and goodbye to people. <laughs> yes. Bill just thinks she's playing hard to get, so she has to try really hard. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> she's got a really cool eye. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, seriously, I have nothing <laughs> against that eye. That eye is fantastic. But, yeah, but it's yeah. no good when you're boning down in the dark, is it? But, like, I mean, those two, what have those two actually exchanged? They haven't spoken. Well, sorry, they have spoken, but, but like, in the club or in the bar when they meet, which is that, that scene we even get the pan around, almost sort of bad boys pan around while they're getting up kind of, kind of shots of them effectively falling in love. I guess, like, that's what, what's being conveyed here. Because from this point yeah. on, they are meant for each other. And that's the book end isn't it but it, they don't even talk to each other there's not a fine they they have a maybe they have a crush like they they look at each other from across the room but we don't see them kiss we don't see them hug they don't like shake hands they don't say hi they just like stare at each other and then done that's it that's it <laughs> well yeah there are two points in my mind first of all people have got together based on exactly that much and far less especially yeah. at university times okay well, can you explain and what happens after that moment i'm sorry to cut you off but what happens after they stare at each other in the bar oh um they go sorry excuse me i was on my way to the bar i was on my way somewhere else after you my lady oh <laughs> Um, oh, that's it. Oh, so that is literally it. I guess. <laughs> or maybe, well, yeah, I, I've got no better option. Marie, you got, have you got an alternative? I don't know. I was I was really intrigued whether there was supposed to be more, whether, we, like, 
Yeah, it was such an intense moment. How do you walk away from that without at least having a snog or something? But we just didn't get to see it. They don't have a snog. I don't think that Bill knows that the the attraction is mutual. And mm-hmm. like two but encounters later, they in- sorry, like she was staring at her pretty intensively. Like that was yeah, yeah, yeah. As Edwin Starr would say, they made a two eye contact. <laughs> pretty powerful thing yeah that's true that's true i i'm do that dude i'm not disputing that but like two encounters later they introduce themselves like at this point (laughs) they don't even know each other's name it's only like the two times later heather goes oh by the way my name's heather like oh cool what i thought you guys were meant for each other and that you like found that you had tons in common and that you had a connection and stuff you don't know anything i i mean i think that would have just complicated matters i i know you think oh it seems unnatural but i don't think it would have helped to have it that way around i i think that it helps bill not go off with her into space at the end a not to know anything about her and so be more invested in trying to save her and the humanness and b because she doesn't see any of that that she is essentially seeing the intelligent oil perspective of the universe there's nothing specific to heather's humanity there that she was hoping to get so that's why she can pull back agreed a million uh, and seven percent agreed but <laughs> you know i'm gonna encroach on on mini review territory here like on my on my little bullet points for later but i don't really remember the, the reason i said bookends is i i do remember that this is this is what then bookends her entire arc right bill's entire character arc so like a season from now but i don't really remember how it comes to that point however if spoilers for people who haven't seen that everyone's seen that so this is not a spoiler but well um, enough in time for bill to go you know what or for everyone to go you know what the best thing for bill is to travel space and time with the love of her life i feel like this side of the bookend needs to be substantiated slightly to a greater degree I don't Marie. think the end of this bookend is the love of her life. I think it's basically, isn't Bill about to die and this is the way of saving her? And oh. bonus, you get to travel the world with this hot girl that you once had a like a really intense eye contact with. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly it. P.S. It's yeah. the Doctor Falls, not World Enough in Time. And, <laughs> and yes, she's a Mondasian cyber Bill at that point. A yes, cyber Bill. Oh, that's true, that's true. Yeah. And there's no way of getting her back and she is about to die. It's, it's it's all over, so, except so, here comes the puddle. So really, yeah, it's, it's it's not kinda, an epic love story. Okay, so it's kind of it's the best of two really rather bad scenarios that she chooses. Then yeah, yeah, okay. but by then you're just happy that Bill survives because you yeah. know Bill magnificently over twelve Magnificent episodes. Bill. Oh yeah, hey, like I said, I don't remember all the details. Like how what leads up to this thing? I'm completely on board. I absolutely it's freaking adore Bill as a companion. Of Bill's magnificence. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, cool. You guys have totally opened my eyes to this now. Uh I'm I'm on board. However, <laughs> however. No, no. They've had intense eye contact. She's intrigued. She's really hot. Like she wants to get to know her and she does like there is a bit of back and forth. She's not always pushing her down. She's saying, "Come over here and look into this puddle. Don't yeah. you see something interesting?" Like there's this intrigue. She's different to anyone else. Yeah, um, that, that she's mm, That's not just different. That's <laughs> that's like really, really socially awkward. Like, <laughs> What's wrong with social? 
socially awkward. Nothing's wrong with said how we've just said how socially awkward Heather is. It, it, the only no, I'm talking scenario. about Heather. I'm talking about Heather. I'm not talking about Bill. I'm talking about Heather being like like yeah, he- yeah. I'm talking about Heather too. Bill is Bill is a, a an. You're agreeing with us. You just don't realize it. <laughs> I feel like at, at a certain point, if we, uh, I, okay, here's, here's the thing. I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying, and I don't disagree with, with Bill necessarily, but I think what we yeah, maybe yeah. need to concede is that Bill is, she is just Randy. She's not like, this, yeah. uh, this, uh, this woman and I have yeah. tons in common. She's just like, holy smokes, this woman is absolutely crazy bananas. She is not so, but freaking gorgeous boom this is gonna yes. happen yeah so yes. you like staring yeah, into do. puddles yeah. and you're super yeah. weird and you don't Absolutely. say hi not a problem can i can we fiddle with each other like the, <laughs> anyway yeah fine <laughs> cut 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 yeah. dot 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 great we're, we're all on what's, the same page what's wrong what's wrong with that, that that's nothing is wrong happening. with that nothing's wrong with that well then <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know why we're arguing. The, the other thing. <laughs> you're all my friends thing. who agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you agree time, with us. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Marie. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> Here are my friends with whom I agree. There we go. <laughs> um, the other thing is, if they'd have tried to flesh out the relationship, uh-huh. then the idea that, that Heather <laughs> is chasing Bill across the universe would be more of a like, oh, they're soulmates. Oh, they've got to be together. And it would be really, really hammy and gross and I wouldn't like it at all. But no, it's just the last thing she said before she got taken was, I promise I'll come back. And it hooked onto her last conscious thought. It's not about emotion. It's not that she meant it. It's not that she's, you know, promised Bill and there she's going to come back. It's just that this, whatever this oil is that's taken over her has just, there's been a glitch basically and it's clinging onto you need a companion, it's her, let's go. And if they tried to put more emotion into that, it would be so sappy, and it would be one of those, oh, love saves the day type episodes. Yeah, And I would right. hate it. So it's better this way. Oh, it, it, okay, I don't say this often enough, but you guys are just the absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, a million, billion, and seven percent agree with both of you. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying about how it was her last conscious thought made me think of all the times people have died in Moffat's stories of Doctor Who and hung around. I mean, it made me think specifically of the skeletons in the suits in mm-hmm. oh, Silence yeah. in the Library. Oh, you hate the, who that. Turned out the lights? <laughs> who turned out the lights? That again is just the repetition of the yeah. last thing over yep. and over again, like clockwork, like like a robot until whatever happens. Don't we then get we... a similar thing with the angels, uh, with the uh, the second of the angels episodes? I can't remember what it's, what it's called now. With the soldiers, the, the clerics or whatever they're called. Flesh and stone. Flesh and stone. Don't we have a thing where they have a microphone on their, like a little speaker thingy, and they're just talking to an echo as well, but they've already been murdered by the, or sent back perhaps by the angels? Yeah, yeah. And we had the whole nether sphere thing, and everybody was alive before they were uploaded into Cyberman, Cybermen, but just in their graves. Moffat has a real thing. Um, I mean, yeah. of, of course, it's understandable for the, you know an avowed atheist to be thinking about life after death and trying to write a new way of it happening. But boy, does he do it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's trying to get his 10,000 hours in, I think. Uh, and he, <laughs> he's getting there. <laughs> So it's not all RTD's greatest hits. There is some Moffat DNA here as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not in that sense. 
I'll leave it to you, Podcast Land, to imagine the gesture Leon just made. <laughs> Should I say the action he mimed? I have more questions on my introductory question list, by the way, if, uh, oh if my goodness, we're struggling I have an introductory for... question too. Let's hear it, Drew. Oh, wow. Okay, this is either a question or a trivia point. Oh. Why do we think the Doctor chose to teach at St. Luke's University? Ooh. A good question. It's not Schoss in Bristol, by the way. No, it's shot in Cardiff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is there a tri- is there trivia associated with this? Well, I made a connection. Luke, the evangelist, was described in St. Paul's letter that, to the Colossians as the doctor. Uh, oh. In fact, the verse 414 is, Our dear friend Luke, comma, the doctor, comma, and <gasps> Demas send greetings. So depending on what weight the Oxford comma is bearing, this could actually be the doctor. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And this isn't the only biblical connection to this episode. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. And this is really weird. Bill writes a number of essays. One of the essays is on laser coding of ions, atomic clocks, and quantum jumps. Her foster parent is flicking between them and seeing how many percent she got in each of them. This essay begins with a quote from Isaiah 55, starting at verse 8. And it's all about, I am the Lord and my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And that's all the text that's visible. And then I think it cuts to another Bible verse. It might be Psalm 48, but you can't really see that because it's obscured. So for some reason, that's just quotes of scripture masquerading as one of Bill's essays. Wait, wait that's super duper interesting. So what is, yeah. what's that about? The relevant Bible verse is essentially about the unknowability of God's purposes. It doesn't then start to go on and talk about the science. It's just something dropped in without any explanation. Just odd. So, yeah, Yeah. that's what I spotted. Oh, well spotted. I was like, I know that. Yeah. (laughs) Eagle eyes, but nicely done. I wonder what's behind that. A lot closely than I was. Well, the, the one before is about um, describing, oh, 100 years ago, we didn't know what an atom was. And everything that has to, happens at the subatomic level is so counterintuitive. Leaps in research take a, a great amount of time to come along. And I was like, okay, that tracks. And then the next one was all Bible. That's, that's really interesting. I didn't find that in any of the trivia, by the way. So you may be the first person to pick up on this, just added to Todd's Wikia. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. So that was my opening question. Leon, what's your opening question for heaven's sake? <laughs> okay, here's here's one. Is this the first time that we get Christmas in a non-Christmas special? <gasps> is it? And is it the first time anyone gives the Doctor a Christmas present? Surely not. Clara must have given the Doctor a bunch. He, he even went to, like, attended Christmas dinner. Yeah, but you don't ever see him opening a gift. Oh, maybe not. Oh, he must have received something at some point. It's not a very good present, though, unless the rug turns out to be the device that gets them out of a mystery six or seven episodes from now. It's just completely random. It is a really random... It is quite a weird thing to buy for someone. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, but she's in, she's in that office all the time. Maybe she's like, look, there's a draft over here by the door. If you could just put a rug down, it'd be a lot warmer. Oh, yeah, wait! But- Oh, Leon. No, go for it, go for it, go for it. You're going to do exactly what I was going to do, but better. These are two different points. Let's say them at the same time (laughs) and confuse everyone. Three, (laughs) two, one. Gorgeous Persian rugs. You didn't say anything, Drew. (laughs) Because my point was, why didn't the doctor say, "Uh, uh, I really love this rug. Thanks so much, Bill. I'll put it in front of my door. And then when Heather starts leaking under the door, (laughs) Bill is like, oh, no, your rug. And the doctor's like, oh, no, that's right. Oh, my favorite rug. (laughs) 
Oh, from you. Oh, Bill, the best Christmas present I ever had. Oh, dear. I'm oh, upset. no. What also, well, tragedy. next to these fucking beautiful Persian rugs in my office. <laughs> in answer to your question, Leon, I would say this is the first non Christmas episode that has more Christmas in it than the directly preceding Christmas episode. Yes, exactly. Absolutely yeah. agree with you. <laughs> Which is yet another reason why Mysterio just didn't need to exist. <laughs> I love how Put much this you on, on Christmas. Everyone's mind. Yeah, this it, could have been a totally good Christmas episode. Yeah, no, you're so right. What actually has happened is that she's seen all the gorgeous Persian rugs that he has in his office. She knows he really loves the rug, but she's seen a big space in front of the TARDIS where there is no rug, and she thinks, "Oh, I know. Like that would be a really nice thing that I can get for him. It's a really thoughtful gift." But she doesn't earn a lot of money because she only works in the chip shop, so she has to buy a cheap one, and she's so apologetic about it. But actually, it's the most thoughtful thing ever. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's yeah. how my ancient history tutor regarded the really cheap map I ended up getting him. Because he had maps all over his tutor room. And I was like, oh, I'll get him one of those to make up for all the times I didn't write essays when I should have done or just generally just <laughs> <laughs> And um, I went into the map shop. It's the fucking Oxford map shop on the high street. Can you imagine the prices? And Oof. I was like, oh, this one looks okay. Oh, shit. Uh, how about, oh, dear. Um, what have you got for basically nothing? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that was exactly Bill in the beautiful Persian rug shop. Yeah, so that and tracks. They, they absolutely went. tracks. Yeah, just go to Ikea. Um, but in the vein of Christmas presents. Oh, in the my throbbing God. vein of Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've kind of you're stepping on my moment here. It's going to be a very tender moment. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> hey, stepping on a throbbing vein is always a tender. Yeah, vein. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how beautiful was his present in return to her? That was the most lovely. Yeah, yeah. That is that. That's no. It's it, it's an absolutely beautiful moment. I was wondering if we were going to get the proper realization from her uh, from her side that it is the doc in the mirror that it's his reflection that we get to see in one of the photos but yeah it's, a, it's such a lovely gesture because i guess when she first sees it it's just like oh that weirdly looks like my friend the doctor but yeah at the end of the episode when now she knows that he can travel in time as well yeah maybe she will put it together but yeah. we don't get yeah, the payoff yeah, but when she does put it together she's gonna have a rose moment like can i go back in time and see my dad except can i go back in time and see my mum so it's dangerous territory. It is. And it's also very, like, it's fine for him to go back and randomly stalk this woman. Like, and Yeah, and that's super weird. Photos of you. <laughs> that, I mean, this whole thing should actually, like, the, the end of the arc should be she finds out he's her dad. Like, oh, really? Wait, you went back in time, you nailed my mom, and here I am. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm why really good at, like, quantum out. physics. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and she even and says, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, I take after my mum. I look like my mum. My dad was some bushy-eyebrowed Scottish type. Thank goodness I don't like him. Yeah, exactly. Like him. <laughs> but that might be why I'm drawn to you. And then we have like this really weird sexual component that's entered into this as well. Because, you know, like student and professor. Fa no, wait. Okay, cut, cut, cut. Yeah, that was entirely <laughs> what the foster mother was saying wasn't there. And I don't know if you noticed, Leon, but uh, she, she doesn't actually look at men in that way. So... Uh, it, yes, but I was trying to—I was trying to do her tone. She was so angry in that moment, and for a while, I was like, "Wow, that's an overreaction." But this is something she's been trying to get across to her foster mother for ages. This is not the first time this has come up, and she's just really? oblivious. It is. Yeah. 
I'm curious about their relationship. I mean, her relationship with her foster mum. So you think that she's been trying to clarify this rather than she's maybe hiding it from her foster mum? I don't know. This is what I, I I was suggesting we could put a pin in and maybe discuss. But actually, we don't really know enough in this episode. We, look, we don't find out enough in this episode to make anything more than a guess, does, I think. She doesn't seem to be the type of person that would hide it. Like, she's incredibly open. Like, when she's telling the story to the doctor, she's talking about the... It, you know, yeah. yeah, like, it's obviously something that she is completely comfortable with and doesn't have a problem yeah. with so it would be weird for her to hide it and yeah you're right Drew, the tone of voice that she uses for that and the like eye roll and stuff it feels like a conversation that she's had a lot and it's probably been met with oh it's probably just a phase and like then yeah not exactly it there's something oh yeah possibly yeah there's, there's yeah. something very unsympathetic about this uh this foster mum. yeah yeah well Relations can be strained at that age. My take wasn't so much that, uh, the, I mean, the, what you said, Marie, although that is entirely credible and plausible that the foster mother would have just said it was a phase. My thought was that she, maybe Bill does feel a little too awkward to just come out and have to say it. Oh, don't make me say it just explicitly in frank candid bald language like do i have to make it that obvious to you can you not pick up on what i'm telling you in not not in so many words and she just doesn't mm. and and i know maybe there's a uh, thought from bill that if i tell her will she kick me out at the moment i'm just getting by oh, you think so rent free serving chips i mean what am i where am i going to sleep that's really horrible see this is this is the like highly unsympathetic elements about this uh, do we even find out her name the foster mom anyway if we did i didn't care to remember it yeah no no right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when Bill says, uh, actually, I, I, I'm not interested in, in men, or however she puts it, I took that to be the very theatrical, as in like on the stage kind of statement that is said for the benefit of the audience, but not for the benefit of anyone else adjacent on stage. You know, like she's saying it, we hear her say it, but for all intents and purposes, she may not have said anything because the mum doesn't hear it and she's not aware of it. It's an aside. Bingo. <laughs> I get your point in that. I think the mom doesn't hear it or at least acknowledge it. But um, I don't think I don't think it was done in a like cringy. Oh, we need to tell the audience that she's a lesbian type way. It really felt like something that she would have done quite naturally. Like I've totally done that where you've just said something under your breath at your, and rolled your eyes at your mom because she's off doing her own thing. Mm. I mean, thank like not really, mom. Love you, oh, but <laughs> <laughs> and dad and dad, you're the best. <laughs> I've never done it to you, dad. <laughs> Um, but no, it felt like it felt like quite a genuine moment for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. There's yeah. another little exchange between those two characters that stood out to me as slightly weird, and that is like, why wouldn't Bill tell her foster mum that there is someone in the flat when she can because hear someone? Yeah. In the she'd only screw it up. She'd come in in a flap and she'd start panicking, and she'd get the police involved. But the well, police get the get police involved. Late. There's someone in the flat, dude. I think that was my first concern was why does it just immediately put the phone down and ring the police but it's because she wanders in and starts going uh oh i forgot his name but whatever like john is that you she thinks it's barry barry and she and it, i tried to say bill and i was like no that's her name <laughs> um, barry. <laughs> sorry barry she's with neville now yeah and because she has an idea of who it would be i don't think she's scared straight away so she's not jumping to conclusions she doesn't want to tell the foster mom because then she'll know that barry's been like in the flat and he might get in trouble and maybe she had a good relationship with barry so i yeah i think i would have definitely turned the light on that was my issue good. with it 
Why is she standing uh, in the dark? Like Clara didn't turn the light on last series. Oh. So this is her foster mum's ex. She had a good relationship with her foster mum's ex. So she's happy to possibly stumble into the bathroom where her foster mum's ex is having a shower. Well, I mean, who else is going to be having a shower in there? It's not like a burglar says, Yeah, but why would you go past in the there? Door, but I'm, Dude, I, I'm this terribly is like, flustered after all that. I, I must wash myself. To clarify, if this is fine, they have a good relationship and fine, she knows that uh, Barry, was that his name? Barry used to be in this flat, like he has his own key or whatever. And that you is know very why possible. why she have a good relationship with him? Because she's so... Uh, got such antipathy for her foster mother so of course she makes a performance out of really getting on with all the boyfriends just to stick it to her it all adds up yeah but if that's the case you don't go into the bathroom where they are clearly naked having a shower like if you're going into the bathroom it's because you expect there to be something other than a naked person showering whom you know and are comfortable seeing naked having a shower. So why does she go in there? There are only two options. It's either Barry having a shower, in which case, why would she want to see that? Or it is an intruder in the flat, in which case, why is she not calling the police? That's what I'm saying. Because she she thinks it's Barry up until a point, and she's shouting at him, and she's like, come on, Barry, come out of there now. And then um, it's when the water turns off and there's just silence and she thinks she shouts him again and he doesn't respond. And that's the moment where she's like, okay, now I'm scared. But now there's someone on the other side of the door potentially like listening to you and it's really creepy. Actually, no, that's the point. I would have run away and called the police. This is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, but <laughs> she's brave. She's brave. That's why she's a companion and I'm not. Yeah. There are multiple brave points in this episode where Bill should have turned and fled and she refuses to. But here, I think she's actually more justified in not turning around because he could be just on the other side of the bathroom door and she, she might not even have fully swiveled and he's on her from behind and she, and mm-hmm. she's at a disadvantage. She needs to keep him in her sights with her umbrella weapon pointing in his direction. I, okay, you know what? Remember how I agreed with you guys of like a million and seven percent before? I, I currently... believe it was a million and billion and seven. A million billion, yeah. Fine. I have another point just before you say that you're not going to agree Fine. with us this time. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Try it. People respond in very different ways in a crisis, and you don't know how oh. you're going to respond either. So my example is uh, one time I was coming home really late, got the last bus back to my flat in Manchester, pitch black, nobody else around for miles. And as I walked up to my front door, somebody followed me and like came through the garden gate and was in my garden and right behind me. Um, goodness, and I, what? Yeah, and I assume <laughs> like was going to try and either mug me or force his way into the house or something. I don't know what. But like, if I had told you that story, I would have said, obviously, you would just run in the house and ki- and scream for someone to come and help you. But no, what I did was lock the door and turn to face him and shout at him, uh, which was completely stupid and I shouldn't have done it. But you can't predict what you're going to do in the moment. Holy smokes. Um, so, yeah. Wait, so what happened? Oh, he just, well, he kind of got, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else, and then ran away. <laughs> so 
So I have no idea. Maybe it was genuine. Maybe he did think I was someone else. You know, maybe he was trying to rob me. I don't know. But you count yeah, him, Marie. You completely shouted yeah. him down. Oh my exactly. goodness! This is because he wasn't expecting it. I think. And so I think that because she behaves in a way you logically now, while you're sat in broad daylight without a creepy person in your shower, you go, "Oh, you should do this, this, and this." But in the moment, I don't think you know. You can't predict how you're going to respond to something like that. No, th- that's true. Okay, wait, hang on. Before before finishing the there's someone in my shower point. Uh, freaking brava! You're you're a badass. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> well done. Like, I'm so I was, glad, yeah. I'm so like, glad that you're okay. Open. I was like halfway in the door and I, I closed the door and locked it so that he couldn't get in. My th- my logic was I didn't want him to get in the house because there were other people in the house that he might hurt. And it's just, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, why would you do that? No, that's quite what? heroic. That's super, that, yeah, no, that's super duper heroic. Well done. He was thinking to himself, if she continues opening the door, I know exactly what to do. I've got a whole strategy planned for this. And you completely call his bluff. (laughs) That's very impressive. I'm relieved that you are okay, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Now, question for you. (laughs) If you had been on the phone with your mum at the time, or with anyone, you're on the phone with someone, and you think that this is happening, and that person is going like, wait, what's going on? Like, what's happening? Would you, A, say, oh, there's absolutely nothing happening, I'll talk to you later, hang up, then lock the door, turn around, and be a heroic badass? Or would you say, wait, (laughs) hang on, there's something really creepy, I'm gonna call, if I don't call you back in five minutes, then you need to call the police, or you need to come here, or something like that. Like, would you not alert that person to the danger that you are clearly aware of. No, I don't. I absolutely don't think I would have. I think I would have just put the phone down because I wouldn't have wanted to scare my mom. Yeah, and also we're back to thinking it's Barry at this early stage in proceedings. Exactly. She's like, yeah. shit. If 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 she thinks that Barry's come over, then she's coming home. Neville's coming with her because they're all jealous of each other, and my life turns into a fucking sitcom, and nobody knows I'm a lesbian, and oh, it's stressing me out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's not completely implausible. <laughs> we should move past this. <laughs> I, don't, I just think you can't judge until you've been in that position, Leon. Nobody knows how oh, they wow. respond. Yeah. Is the air thin up there on that high road? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, it is. <laughs> mm. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, and hypoxia can lead to muddled thinking. <laughs> so where to next? Where do we go from this point? Do you have any trivia on the Doc's study? It's so beautiful. It is. Be- I mean, first of all, isn't it beautiful? Oh. It, I, not, not necessarily on the dream. study. It is, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely lovely. I would love a study like that as well. No, I, I don't have any particular trivia about the, the study itself. I, I saw that there were a couple of things, but oh, there are a couple of busts and there are some sonic screwdrivers in the whatever pencil case. Well, or there are the pictures of River and yeah. Susan. And at That's no true. point is any explanation given. Well, why why would we need an explanation? We, we everyone, <gasps> yeah, but everyone who watches this knows who they are. But this Excuse is a pilot. But is is uh, susan is his granddaughter and river yep. is his wife yep. did they make susan on the 24 year night in Trenzalore? No, because that's not no, how not grandchildren Trenzalore. work marie there's a generation <laughs> in between oh right sorry yeah <laughs> a grandchild oh sorry i forgot that but one may have <laughs> led to the other 
Yeah, that's directly. Yeah, yeah, that's super duper possible. Wait, when just, does wait when wait when is the generation in between you know born? Oh, I'm sure that Chibnall will answer that at the end of series thirteen. Oh, God damn you, Chibnall! <laughs> <laughs> Leave a bit of mystery. <laughs> I know I blatantly we- asked the question a moment ago, but I don't want anyone to actually answer it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd seen River, but I also like that she wasn't a major plot point. It was just a little. Yeah. yeah my, I guess it's a hook for the new audience. It just seemed a slightly strange thing to come back to it again and again. And they clearly mean so yeah. much. Um, I mean, the history of the show is something you can never get away from um, without doing a hard reboot, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants the whole history of Doctor Who to be rewritten. No, absolutely not. Mm. Do you think it's also the kind of thing that you don't necessarily need to mention this episode because even if this is an actual pilot of a soft reboot and there are people who are watching Doctor Who for the very first time, they're going to be so invested in it that they're just going to Google it. Or possibly it's something that everyone already knows because it's part of the public consciousness. Well, I didn't... I mean, they won't know about Susan, but uh, yeah, the whole Googling fact, of course, you, you don't just find out in a linear fashion by watching 863 episodes in a row with no external input. So, yeah, and recording reviews of course them in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so of course that is actually how it happens yeah you're right mm-hmm. slash there are probably maybe well not probably but maybe at this point there is already an, an after show show you know the, there's a what is it don't do confidential like whatever it's called yeah. i can't remember now like there's also something extra at this point extra thank you yeah where where they will probably pick up on these quite blatant trivia points that go oh yes well you'll have noticed that there was a photo that wasn't taken yesterday uh and that's because this show has been around since 1963 blah 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 blah. first companion yada 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 yeah true i had another association with not so much the study but the role of the doctor we haven't talked about capaldi by the way mm. but capaldi is a professor at a university he is a time lord masquerading as a professor he's been there for like what 50 years is that what they say some people say 70 70 years (laughs) and in sharda we meet professor chronotis who is a time lord who uh, is masquerading as a as a cambridge professor (laughs) yeah he has a study his study is also his tardis but yeah i mean he uh, yeah you'd never get away with that at oxford no of course not i mean the other place is so lax Come on. Oh, you want to study here? Oh, we'll have you. No questions asked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any credentials? No? Oh, don't worry about it. We were, we were just asking performer. <laughs> yeah, it's B-Y-O-S, bring your own study. Yeah, that's all right. We just have a door, but, but it leads into nothing. <laughs> yeah, classic Cambridge shenanigans. <laughs> sorry, everyone from Cambridge, by the way. I mean, sorry, not sorry. But... <laughs> But but that's that's an element that I, I feel is a little bit of a callback to Classic Who, to Sharda, which is at this point not I think at this point not yet re released. Um I mean there there are cartoon versions or whatever, but the like the DVD hasn't come out yet, or the Blu-ray, yada yada yada. So it is part of legendary Whovianism. Yeah. But even without the merit of slight overlap. It's a role that really suits Capaldi, being oh able goodness, to yes. grandstand and just discourse on the nature of time. Yeah. I mean, would you turn up for his lectures? A hundred percent! Where you go! Why aren't there people just, like, standing in the rafters? This, he's such a good lecturer. I wasn't fully convinced, though. I mean... Oh, here we go. 
<laughs> I don't actually know about um, quantum instance and how you proceed from one to the other, but I feel like the, the analogy of, oh yes, if you stitch enough images, still images together, you get a moving picture. I don't think that is necessarily what's going on with the human eye. I think the human eye is taking in as much information as it can. It's not going, oh, here's an instance. Now I can receive it and process it. And that proceeds. It's just like, here's reality and I'm taking it in all I can. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a continuous feed as opposed to there are X increments per interval of time. Exactly. But like I say, I'm not a physicist. Uh, or um, an ophthalmologist. Op- ophthalmologist? That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's just being really picky and pedantic and possibly entirely erroneously. I, I mean, I loved seeing Capaldi eventually get to spelling out the acronym TARDIS and everybody. What I would have liked at that point was everyone to frown really hard and Bill to just beam <laughs> across the yeah. I mean, when he went, oh, TARDIS, it means life. I, I, I really just wanted to go, Lechaim! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him to say, choose TARDIS. <laughs> uh, I really also liked, while we're in that area, <laughs> the doctor saying, ah, oh, you're thinking... I don't look old enough to have been lecturing for 70 years. She's like, no. Oh, no, no, no. Not that. <laughs> Way off. Yeah. That's the thing. You could, he's the only doctor that could get away with it because yeah, it's impossible to know how old he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it's quite young in this episode when he's... Oh, when he's introducing her to the TARDIS and he's basically, you know, pulling at his cuffs or, or whatever it is, like dusting off his sleeve. I don't know. Something he's so magnetic in that moment is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Such a good scene. I love, I think like, oh, it's like the best way you could possibly get into the TARDIS. So she's, she's just peering through the doors and she doesn't care what's behind her. She thinks she's in a box and then he just runs around, turning on all the lights and making it look incredible. And he's ready for this big ta-da moment. And the music builds and it's so like emotional and mag- like massive. And then she just turns around and goes, oh, it's a knock through. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and also, it's hilarious. not a room, it's a lift. <laughs> That's, that's good. That one I liked. It's a yeah, testament yeah. to Pearl Mackey's likability that I wasn't just rolling my eyes. It's completely turned against Bill in that moment. How, how exactly, because you... as I said it, it sounded really cheesy, and I was like, that's a terrible line, actually. But she delivered it beautifully, and it went from the drama of the TARDIS to being really funny. Like I laughed out loud at yeah. a lot of her lines this episode. She's got brilliant comic timing. I agree. Yeah, she is absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure I wasn't entirely convinced by... This is not Pearl Mackey, this is the writing. I'm not entirely convinced by the kitchen comparison. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it's, it's a little it, forced... It's a little forced and it also makes it seem as though, like, I mean, are, are we are we meant to believe that her, you know, is her horizon... Frame of reference. Exactly. Like, is her horizon so narrow that she's only able to focus on the thing that she does for a little moment? But she's also writing yeah. papers on quantum physics and stuff. So like, she, she should maybe be slightly more open-minded to this sort of stuff. And also, it's yeah, clearly not a because kitchen because there's like, it's if anything, it's a library vestibule lift, you know, uh, um, theater backstage, whatever. Sorry, go for it. Sorry. Especially because she's the one who's trying to explain to the doctor what sci-fi is, as if he's never heard of it before. Yeah. So she's clearly quite into sci-fi. <laughs> Like, yeah, she should have a bigger imagination. Yeah, than just she should kitchen. almost go, hey, I, I know a time-traveling police box when I see one, thank you very much. I've seen enough <laughs> sci-fi to recognize one. 
How did you guys feel about Nardole's, you know, like eventually Bill gets to the point where she goes, it's bigger on the inside. And we get that, lo- I think, lovely bit of Nardole just going, hey, we got there. And like shaking hands. It's like, oh, finally, we got that bigger on the inside moment. I like I- that. I, re- I like Nardole. I have a little soft spot for him. Oh, Marie, thank you. Come on, Drew. <laughs> I much preferred Capaldi's reaction to Nardole's overreaction. Okay. All right. Fine. That's fine. I thought it was classy. <laughs> One thing you can't say about Nardole is he has any class whatsoever. No, that's true. He has none. But you know what he does have? Oh. Integrity. That guy oh. is happy to be classless under any circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of backbone to maintain a steady stream of mediocrity, and that guy pulls it off. You know, it's good banter when he sees it. Yes, definitely. Yeah, but does he line. need to call it out? He just did a very similar thing in Mysterio, or or the Doctor did. And oh, well, the Doctor said a good line, and, and Nardol did his well, hey, and it's like, no, we don't need a commentary. I don't. I feel like there are, there is better commentary to be had than Fine. we're getting from Nardol at the moment, and we will get better commentary because Nardol does grow on me eventually but not yet do you know what i have to say about that drew hey (laughs) oh (laughs) oh i think i really like his little banter he says he says banter and then bill looks at him and he goes now it's your turn and it was so cute and it was like someone like an alien describing human behavior and i really really it made me laugh a lot that actually hmm yeah, he's learning. That, that line was good. That line was fine. But I prefer the line before it where the doctor says, um, maybe they were lying around in a puddle for a week because they're a student. And, <laughs> and so I was still laughing at that. And Nardole then undercuts it again. And like, oh, oh, Matt Lucas is, is better than this. He will get better lines. It will get better. Yeah. Can I add to something we just talked about five minutes ago, uh, but we skipped over it slightly. When Bill is in the TARDIS and she's looking out the windows because she thinks the water's going to come in any minute, because this is a wooden box, for goodness sake. Mm. And the way the camera pulls back, and it pulls it pulls back so far and so fast, I thought it was a CGI effect. Oh. oh, wow. But it isn't. That's just how big and how grand and how wonderful and beautiful the set is. Oh, and then it's lit yeah. up and it's all timed so perfectly. The choreography, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. I do think that was the most beautiful intro to the TARDIS. It was a lovely way to show it all in its, all its glory. Definitely. Okay, this, this actually leads me on to a second related point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is the music in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, when the okay. TARDIS interior is revealed, it's swells amazingly you have brass and strings and surging piccolos going and it's all very richly orchestrated this episode throughout apart from the very beginning where you just start with a very stark ticking clock i thought murray gold a fantastic job throughout did anything yeah totally agree uh all of that that you just said but yeah throughout i think the music was incredible and also like the cinematography in a lot of places was really beautiful and just the colour of like particularly the doctor's office as well with really, really like rich hues, like rich mahogany, felt... rich reds. Absolutely. And yeah, Those that Persian and the rugs. Music, it just sorry. The Persian <laughs> sorry, sorry, rugs. Sorry. <laughs> it, it just all felt like a quality to it that we don't get in a lot of episodes. Leon, I can see that after months of rehearsing as unstuff, you want to steal those Persian rugs. <laughs> Yeah, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> he won't miss him. He's got loads. Yeah, be a shame not to wander off with one of these wrapped around my toy set. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
was there was another bit where um Bill, she's not turning on the lights. Classic companion behavior. Yeah. <laughs> but but her Murray's score when she's creeping around her foster mum's flat, it actually really reminded me of a lot of the music in the Chibnall era. Oh. Which yeah, in terms of trying to create that that low, bassy, doomy sort of warm, warm sort of atmosphere. So he was already doing that before they got an entirely new music guy to come along. Ray Gold can do it all. And so it just made me feel like, oh, the Chibnall era didn't actually add anything new after all. But whatever. I have to confess, I did not pay as much attention to the score of this episode as you guys did. But oh, at, at no when, point when... did it feel intrusive. That's the only thing I can say. Like, it never yeah. it never distracted me. I feel like that's not doing Murray Gold justice. But I, I'll, I mean, tell I, it never... I'll tell you why. It's because he has a, a line for every mood. He handles the shifts in mood with such expertise. When Bill is on the bed looking at the pictures of her mum that have just been unearthed, in fact, they've just been taken, there's a slight sort of... Well, there's a very sad feel, feeling to it, but then there's just a hint of detection when she's like, oh, it's yeah. odd. And then that's carried through later on when she's mm. creeping up behind Heather obsessed with the puddle. That comes back. There's so many different... It's not... We, the, we've had episodes in the past where there's like one or two or three themes and you skip from one to the other and they're all really stark and they don't quite fit. Here, he's he's put the work in. He's figured out exactly how to soundtrack every moment. And yeah, it, I totally after, agree. This is after 12 years in the job, and he is still developing <laughs> and bringing it and getting better. It, it Bravo, Murray Gold. Yeah, it, he is on fire yeah, in bravo, this episode. Indeed. And I think that's that's why you don't notice it, because it's just so in tune with how you're feeling at every moment. Like Every time I felt joyful, the music was joyful. Every time I felt sad, the music was sad. Every time I felt scared, like it just, just everything was reflected. And so you don't notice it unless you're specifically like looking out for it or listening out for it but yeah brother very good job he does also bring in clara's theme speaking of themes oh, yes he does <laughs> you're right but it's a really cute just very very little like just enough for us to know that that's what's on his mind and then it went away again it wasn't too much either but that was the only one that was maybe a little bit intrusive and that you like you noticed it as well leon wait when when so this is when he's about to do the mind wipe. the doctor's about to do the mind wipe on bill and she comes out with the line you know just think how oh i see yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry 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 and then we get and then we get clara's theme and you just immediately know yeah. where his mind is and then it, it completely explains why he changes his mind i think that's a um, super nice touch though yeah oh no absolutely i do i do I just wonder how like you said it's kind of a reboot we're aiming at audiences that haven't seen this before like would it look like he just changed his mind for no reason without that little extra level of detail well no because capaldi is such a great actor he conveys such sadness in his look his mood changes so utterly that surely an audience member would know oh wait there's more to this than meets the eye. He's he's drawing on something in his past. I think this is all the kind of stuff that you would... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think back to what it was like with Eccleston. Like There are lots of references to classic Who in Eccleston, just like we are now getting references to slightly older new Who. But those references to classic Who in Eccleston, in the Eccleston era, they weren't blatantly spelled out. They were hinted at. Everyone in the mm. audience knew that they were there. Like We, we recognised that there was something there we maybe didn't know what it meant but you recognize that it was a clear reference to something older 
There's no one who's watching this episode of Doctor Who who doesn't know that it's been going since 2005, at least. So I, 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 I think this is a natural thing for any kind of reboot. Like, we expect there to be references to the original that we don't understand, and if it's a good enough reboot, I, I, or if it's good enough in its own right, then I think the director, the producer, the stars, everyone, the writers, they expect us, the audience, to go out and do the due diligence and actually look up what that means. And that's almost, it's yeah. almost like guerrilla marketing. It's like a, you know, one of those viral marketing campaigns where you just drop little seeds in society and actually people looking at the ads, they do the hard work of going out and, you know, finding out about it. Mm. Yeah. Seven, 107, I agree. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Total non sequitur. <laughs> but in our review of Destiny of the Daleks, the classic Who serial, Destiny of the Daleks, in which we encountered the Mavellan and, surprise, surprise, the Daleks, I remember that Jim and I encountered a bit of trivia that uh, that was basically something along the lines of, yeah, the Mavellans literally only reappear once, namely in the pilots. <gasps> oh, is this the the silverhead chaps yes. that the Daleks are fighting with? Yes, exactly. Jim mentioned them, and he said he couldn't remember where they were from, but he knew that it was a reference to something that had either happened before or is yet to happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it, pretty cool. It's, it's really really nice. We don't get to see them up close, but like the no. second they showed up on screen, I remembered having forgotten that I meant <laughs> to remember that we would see them again in this episode, and I was absolutely thrilled because they do like they're they're still wearing their you know like white spandex thing they've got their silvery dreadlock kind of look and yeah the mavellans are like this wildly sexy disco alien race they're they're freaking (laughs) awesome okay (laughs) so that's not a non sequitur at all that is exactly what you were talking about with callbacks and yeah easter eggs yeah that's true true so total non sequitur from that oh finish with a little information about well i mean the episode we haven't said that this was first broadcast in 15th of april 2017 we're only four years ago hooray what? check oh my god that's like yesterday out. yeah less than four years ago hooray for us it was directed by lawrence goff he directs this one the next one smile and that is the extent of his involvement with doctor who all right oh that's a pity yeah and given marie was really praising the cinematography you'd think they might have got him back but maybe he went on to better things maybe the cinematographer stayed on (laughs) oh let's hope (laughs) yeah and moving on from that to pearl mackey how old do you think pearl mackey was in this episode i know it's rude to ask a woman's age but i was surprised that's interesting i don't know now i now i wonder if she's younger than than she looks how old is she meant or, to be? Older. <laughs> like she's not meant to be a student. She's just a canteen worker, so she could yeah. be any age. Uh, That's true. I assume she was like early twenties, maybe. I think. I yeah, me know. too. She was born in 1987, so she was 29 when this was shot and 30 when it aired. Wow. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, people who are younger than me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And her filmography before joining Doctor Who is remarkable only for being so negligible. She oh, really? did one episode of Doctors, a couple of shorts. She was in theatre. She was in The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime oh. in the West End in 2015. Oh, nice. Okay. So I assume that was her springboard. And she's done theatre work since. So maybe she's mostly theatre. Although she was in an episode of Friday Night Dinner. <gasps> which... Oh, really? 
Leon, have you seen it yet? Yes, of course I have. Well, have you seen the latest series? Mm, no. Well, that's what you Fine. need to watch. <laughs> she, she has a very significant role. Really? Oh, yes, yes. I'm not going to spoil it. So get on and watch that. Oh, sweet. Hanukkah. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently she also did an advert for the Westgate in Oxford in 2020. So what? could have hung out with her. Wait, what? She uh, did an advert for the Westgate? That's what Wikipedia says. That's insane balls. Uh, okay. In 2020? In 20- I yeah, very early 2020. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who was at the Westgate in 2020? <laughs> yeah, Podcast Land. Anyone who isn't Oxford-based in Podcast Land, which is like all of you. Uh, the Westgate is a is a shopping mall. Uh, it's a shopping centre Newly refurbished. Newly invasted. Yeah, re-inaugurated in, in, was it 2020? Might have been. 2019, probably, actually. Oh. Yeah, recent-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what if it was in connection with the escape room? It might have been. <gasps> I was talking about this the other day. I still have the the freaking like voucher for the Doctor Who escape room in like here, like in bloody hell. And it's not even there anymore. Yeah, you're right. The voucher's pretty expired. But like evidence of that Doctor Who experience that I never fucking had. Damn you, Corona! Yeah, it it feels a bit bad that before the pandemic, I was like, oh, it's quite a lot of money. And now I'd pay almost anything for any experience. Yeah, to be locked in a room (laughs) and not be allowed to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we need to take things slowly. We need to open up in, in increments. That's actually it's a the different best room. Yeah, you're right. This is this is the optimal therapy. Yeah. <laughs> right, instead of living in one room for a year, now I can live in two. I can handle this. Yeah, I remember there being, by the way, a pandemic-themed escape room in uh, in Islington, like near Angel, really close to where I used to live. Why don't we go and do that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some tips and tricks. (laughs) (laughs) Probably teach them a thing or two. That's right. (laughs) So how about we uh, rate this then? Yeah, let's rate this bad boy. Oh, I love that. Yeah, let's do this. (laughs) I think you mean let's rate this magnificent Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, one million and seven stars for Bill. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Right, so I'm starting, am I? Yep, and you can't wait. Yep, I lost the index finger on Tip of Nose game podcast land, so I am inaugurating. I am starting this, uh, yeah, our ratings section of this podcast episode. So here we go. Okay, most of these bullet points we've already touched upon during this review, so I'll, I'll try to be quick. But here's the thing, I'm normally not a fan of reboots. We live in an era of reboots. But if we are going to go down the road of calling this a soft reboot, or a, a semi in any case, then a wowie... No complaints from me, because this is well-paced, and quite frankly, it's really quite fun. I I was chuckling through a lot of this. Palmaki is brilliant. She's charming. She's fun. We talked about her comedic timing before. Really quite an impressive start to a character. It, it's too early to tell whether I'll like her more than previous companions or not. I don't really remember, actually, how I felt about later uh, Bill and... So I, I can't really make a statement about that. But you know what? Uh, the odds aren't looking too shabby for Bill, let me tell you. She's, she's great. Uh, Capaldi shines yet again as the nutty professor, as the Professor Cronotis, or no Crotis, 
I love the Sharda vibes here. It's, it really suits him as an actor, as a character, yada, 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 and the callback to Classic Who. And Nardole just keeps stealing my heart to that lovable little scamp. I freaking love him as a companion. I don't care how much you sigh and how much your face screams at me, Drew. Nardole is great. While I'm doing you are- my best. I'm covering it. <laughs> but it just keeps escaping. He's the thing is he's just so charming, he's so lovable, he has such charisma. My goodness, wouldn't it be great to just spend a day with Nardole? Anyway. I've never liked my face. It's always doing expressions when I'm trying to be enigmatic. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of <laughs> Lots of good lines in this serial. Uh, be a proper student uh, with texts and snogging and vegan raps. Um, are you from space? No one's from space. I'm from a planet. So you beat a girl with a discolored iris and your first thought is she might have a lizard in her brain. I can see I'm going to have to up my game. Really, like a tightly written episode. My only real negative is that I don't get the Heather pre-pilot, Heather I mean, character at all. Like, I don't feel like, I don't feel anything for that pilot. Like, Bill is charming and witty and good-looking. Like, it's, it's, it's odd that she falls head over heels for this character who has, like, it seems a lot of character defects. Um, and with whom she shares zero bands and so on and so forth. Uh, and before either one of you goes ahead and high roads me again, let me be clear, I can absolutely live with that. <laughs> Anyway, what a start to the end of Capaldi. This is his final season. We, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but holy smokes. Um, I know there is some great stuff and some duff stuff coming up, but in any case, I am excited as hell, and I really, really enjoyed this episode. So I am giving this... Oh, I'm giving this a 4.0. Very nice. Wow. Marie, do you want to go or shall I go? Um, yes, I would like to go. Um, only a 4.0? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What? But the, what? Because the only negative thing you have is that you don't feel, yeah. you don't get why yeah. uh, Bill likes the sexy pilot lady. No, it's not that like, complex a story, though, is the thing. That's a whole point of blooming heck. I uh, <laughs> loved this episode. Ah, here we go. For all of the reasons that you've just said, like, basically, I just want to say what you've said, apart from not the mean stuff at the end. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just it just felt like uh, I didn't I'd sort of forgotten or not not realized that it was supposed to be a reboot. So I didn't have reboot in my head. But I just I really, really liked the setup of the doctor uh, as this like you know, enigmatic professor dude who, like, people come from all over the town. Nobody is even a student there. They just rock up to listen to him and to learn, and he picks Bill out. Isn't this what we all want? We want to be sat in the audience and see our rock star professor, like, making eye contact with us and seeing us and knowing that we've got something more to give, more than just giving out chips and giving out more chips to the pretty girls and uh, fatting them, which is a... Such a nice Another sequence, of, by the way. Oh, so the good. laugh out loud lines. Yeah, like I laughed out loud so much in this episode. It was completely joyful. And at the same time, terrifying. I was like, I think I squealed out loud in this episode. There were some really, really scary moments. And it balanced it so, so beautifully. Like sometimes when you go from like horror to comedy, it... Uh, it becomes a little bit cheesy and it falls a little bit flat, but I, I really, I just enjoyed both elements of it. It had heart as well. 
um, mm-hmm. but wasn't overdone. So the really subtle, um, the doc going back in time to give Bill memories of her mother that she'd never had. Like, that is so powerful. And the fact that they didn't bring it up again, they just let it go, I thought was beautiful. I think they could have really hammed it home and gone, oh, wow, it was you, Doctor. You did that, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. And, uh, and just made it really over the top and cheesy. And nothing about this was cheesy. I didn't think, like, anything was overdone. It was it all towed the line. Um, I do, I fine, all right, fine. Heather doesn't have very much of a personality in the beginning. But sod it, they're oh, young and hot you and so. they just want a phone. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but and but and and I like Bill. I like that she uh, she's you know opposite in Clara in a lot of ways. Clara was so sort of poised and put together, and she was the teacher, and she was always shown as a little bit more intelligent and uh, educated and blah 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 and whereas Bill just seems to go with her gut and with her heart and ask the questions and she's very incredibly observant and the moment when right at the end when she's reaching out to Heather and the doctor's screaming at her not to but she just she just does what feels right in the moment and I really love that and yeah but she yeah we didn't talk about that actually but she, you know, she gets swept up in this, here's this life I could have with Heather. I could go off and travel the stars with her, but I won't. She manages to pull herself back to reality. And then her reward is that she gets to go travel with the Doctor. And it's so happy and joyful and I love it. And I just can't wait to see more of them. And I don't care about your negativity. I just want to see more. negative. And... <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a four. It's brilliant. <laughs> Okay, not enough. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, I don't know how high. Oh, I can not so go. easy, is it, Marie? <laughs> the, the only thing, the only thing that's like pulling me back a little bit is the fact that I hadn't really remembered it very much. Like there are certain episodes that I've given really, really high scores, and there are episodes that stay in my mind, and I like they introduce a new um, villain usually, like the angel, like Blink or. Uh, I don't know, like there are certain episodes that I just think are fantastic and this one I'd completely forgotten so I was quite surprised by most of it so maybe it doesn't have quite the longevity of some of them maybe you're right maybe that's the storyline with Heather being a little bit weaker than it could have been oh. but everything else everything else is spot on the acting is spot on the casting is spot on the music is gorgeous it looks gorgeous it's wonderful I love it I'm giving it a 4.6 holy smogs check out the big heart on marie wow if only there was a third reviewer who was able to to fit in between (laughs) your wildly divergent (laughs) ratings and bring some sense to proceedings (laughs) i agree with pretty much everything both of you just said this episode is a minor triumph of arrangement and composition a minor triumph not a major triumph like marie says i'm not going to remember this by the time we finish the series <laughs> but in 45 minutes we see the future the past the other end of the planet the other end of the universe we get a new companion her background her life story her main attributes for those who don't know him we see the doctor welcoming playful serious fearless heroic complex in turmoil we get a mystery set up and solved a thread signposted but not harped on we didn't even talk about the vault we get tempted by wonders and we're promised even greater wonders 
Capaldi is as commanding as ever, and Pelmacki more than holds her own, and I can't get over how Murray Gold worked overtime for this one. But there were several minor negatives. The Daleks were wasted. That's just my opinion. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. I'm not convinced by the running of anyone in this episode. Bill draws attention to Capaldi's looking like a penguin, but as she's shimmying along the street, hers is way worse. And when Bill explains the weirdness of the puddle, suddenly Doc's running by below ahead of her. Ha ha, yes. But how does he know where the puddle is? He beats her to it. Why is he doing that? Why is he not asking for direction? And if this oil is so intelligent, maybe it should figure out to stop screaming and learn the subtle arts of diplomacy. And didn't Watery Heather remind you just a little bit of the so-called siren in The Curse of the Black Spot? No, she was a million times better. Uh, Wait, why? Because she was uh, good-looking, wet, and screaming? I mean, that sums up both of them pretty much <laughs> entirely. Yeah. And the fact that you couldn't talk to her really or reason with her, and she was essentially a program gone wrong. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And that's, that's not something you ever want to call back to. Then there are lines <laughs> such as the one I just quoted, I've never liked my face, it's always doing expressions, etc., etc., or just waffling on really early on and saying I was hoping something would develop. People who aren't Stephen Moffat don't talk like that. But there are more good lines. You didn't like... I liked both of those lines. The line that you just quoted about my face is always doing expressions when I want to be enigmatic. I felt that in my soul. That's what my face does. I'm with you, Marie. That was solid. That was rock solid. I just feel it was clunky and it didn't really connect. But what I was going to go on to say was there are more good lines. This isn't just a room, it's a lift. We've already talked about it. And it can go anywhere it likes. Anywhere at all in the whole university. (laughs) 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 And even Nardole has one. Imagine a big box in a smaller box, then you have to make one. It's the second part people normally get stuck on. (laughs) (laughs) So, in sum, this episode did exactly what it needed to do. Bill know her but she's still a bit of a clean slate and she can reveal depths as we go this is how humans tend to work she's clever enough brave enough but not world trouncingly significant and after all the mythologically stacked companions of the moffat era so far who can complain about that i found pearl mackie very likable the doctor was compelling as i said i want to hang around these people for a series and experience their drama and if nardole improves then we'll have a full house this isn't an all-time a great episode but it fits the <coughs> bill (laughs) when capaldi clicks his fingers at the end the door opens and they walk in and i want to follow it's a job very well done it doesn't steal the show but boy does it set it up well 4.2 4.2 that is (laughs) very nearly a a perfect score for this (laughs) (laughs) oh good stuff excellent stuff great review drew Mm, great review both of you Uh Oh, oh, Leon, you were right. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah, yours okay. is fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bit harsh. I, I was fishing, but fine. Leos no mianis. Leos. Leos Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max two fifty, or it would get out of hand. Okay, and first up we have Lucy from America. The most out of sync we have ever been. Hi, Tracy. 
Hello, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. And uh, Tracy was very on the ball with this one. This is a instant reaction review from Tracy that was sent on the 20th of April, 2017. 2017? That is nearly four years ago. Oh, Crazy like bananas. here from the past. Tracy, you're amazing. Yeah. Tracy, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Tracy begins. This episode is about a pilot. Or is it a pilot? Wait, it's both! This feels very much like a starting point for new viewers. We are again reminded of the Doctor's mysterious character traits, his longevity, his lack of name, and his overall quirkiness. There are some obvious and less obvious callbacks. The pictures on his desk of Susan and River, the fact that he's established a base of operations on Earth similar to the stranded third Doctor, and the hesitation he experiences when about to wipe Bill's memory. Bill doesn't know... But the question isn't how would he feel, rather how did he feel after Clara did this to him? I wasn't over-enthusiastic about the plot, which involves an alien entity wanting a pilot for its spacecraft. Reminiscent of the Lodger, but with a happier ending for the alien and a sadder ending for Bill, who really liked the star-eyed woman. And Tracy continues, let's talk about Bill! I love her natural hair. Anyone a fan of the natural hair movement? As mom to a <laughs> the girl, I'm happy to see I'm sorry. As mum to a curly girl, I'm happy to see a person of colour with unstraightened hair represented. And Bill is gay, which I'm not sure we've had before in a companion. There's Jenny and Vastra's relationship, but let's be honest, I'm paying more attention to their species than their gender. Bill's lack of interest in men also means we'll be treated to a close platonic relationship between her and the Doctor with no unrequited bullshit. <laughs> yeah, turned out absolutely correct, Tracy. And yeah. Tracy finishes with a rating of great start. Mm-mm. Isn't it just? Yeah, great start to the listener mini section, Tracy. Well done. Yeah, solid. Solid stuff. Getting Holy that in smokes. three years and 11 months ahead of the deadline. Has anyone <laughs> ever been more on the ball? Don't think so. <laughs> Uh, people of podcast land who are not Tracy, please uh, send Tracy a high five for whatever she sends in three years and 11 months from now. Where can she be found? Why? Wait, she, she can, can be, be found, found online, online at Yekatnyatnuf. That's, That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards. backwards. Almost. almost. <laughs> oh, I forgot the almost. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tracy. Still a great start, Tracy. Who's next? Why, it's Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Kieran starts. Hi, folks. So we are here at Series 10, finally, and have a soft reboot. Clean slate, or whatever you want to call it. The 12th Doctor. Both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the 12th Doctor has continued to soften from the past two series, and to be honest, this is the depiction I prefer for him. A retired Time Lord as a university professor. Why am I getting Professor Cronotis from Sharda vibes? <laughs> also, the landing pad in the courtyard is very similar to something in the Seventh Doctor era. And we get a watery T1000. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Interesting. In hindsight, the threat in this one isn't actually that much, but it proves a nice framework for the Doctor and the new companion to get to know each other. Bill hits the ground running as a companion, I feel. It's a shame she only did this series, but I do quite like her. The fact that she doesn't fancy the Doctor puts her instantly in my good book. I quite like the up my game line, and in fact the humour in general in this one. Mm -hmm. It works quite well for me. Not all is given a bit more 
to do, and his character definitely grows over the series. The alternative title, Kieran informs us, was A Star in Her Eye, which is a bit spoilery, <laughs> but I think is a more interesting title than the one we get. And Kieran gives us a rating of solid, but doesn't overall stay with you. 3.4 out of 5. Very nice. Fair. Yeah, pro- probably fair. very yeah, realistic. Yeah. A reasonable <laughs> rating. A rational rating. That's rational is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can people who are not Kieran find Kieran online and high five him and tell him hi from us? Why they can. You can be found at KJE Band 2. <laughs> <laughs> no more needs to be said. <laughs> I thought it was Kay Jevons too. I was just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) You were just thinking, how can I spin another new angle on this tired old joke? (laughs) And weirdly, we had the same thought process. (laughs) Thank you very much, Kieran. Next up, well, it's awesome Alfie. Hello, Alfie. Hello, Alfie. Alfie. Awesome Alfie says this episode was okay on the way to going bad. I thought after the last episode, the series would get better. I mean, wouldn't you want to start the series off with a bang? The Doctor having all his Sonics in a pot on his desk was cool, but I'm kind of surprised none of them were destroyed in the past. And why show the Cybermen and Master this early on? Ah, the next time on, or going forward on Doctor Who. The coming soon, yes. Yeah, that's Gave tr- away far too Yeah, much. that is a super mm. duper good point. We didn't talk about that at all, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, Alfie continues, also a companion providing chips to people in a school while the Doctor teaches. Where have I heard this before? And Alfie says this episode is like a two, I guess. It's a bit weak. From the wet puddle of an awesome Alfie. <laughs> Alfie, uh, Degustibus. Well done. <laughs> yeah. oh, him talking about chips and you talking about Degustibus. Now I really want some chips. Oh, a bit hungry. Awesome, Alfie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's have some chips with Alfie. Thanks very much, awesome Alfie. <laughs> Listen to mini number four comes from Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Hi, Andy. Andy says, what ho, gang? Here's my review for the pilot. The first story in season 10, and we have plenty of new stuff. We get a new companion in Bill, who has the hots for Heather, a girl who stares at puddles, which I decided is the name for my first novel. Solid title. I'd publish you. (laughs) The Doc is teaching at university and also guarding a mysterious vault. There's also loads of callbacks to the past, from the pictures of River and Susan and pot of old Sonics on Doc's desk, to the return of dreadlocked disco Dalek destroyers, the Mavellans, whom we first saw in Fourth Doctor story, Destiny of the Dark. Is it me or are there a couple of nods to Back to the Future? Ooh, I am curious now. There's the ticking clocks and electric guitar at the beginning. And at the end, Doc says, what the hell? Doc Brown says the same. Ooh. I did not pick up on that at all. Very nice. Very nice, No, I did not. Oh, Oh, well done, Andy. You out Back to the Future, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and Andy gives us some likes. There's a strong Professor Cronotis slash Shada vibe. Mm-mm. Nardole's explanation of the TARDIS is a callback to how the fourth Doctor explained it to Leela. Mm. Bill's entry into the TARDIS Ooh. is one of the best as she struggles to comprehend. And where Heather uh, 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 <laughs> is super scary. Oh my god, Andy knows me so well. <laughs> <laughs> But at least in this context, Andy is not a vegetarian because he's also provided some 
Bill spots the doc in the photos of her mum, but never discusses it with him. <laughs> if Heather was trying to tempt Bill, why not do the vision thing on the planet when she grabbed her face? That's, that's a good point. But Andy concludes, it's a really good opening to the season. Capaldi smashes it yet again. Pearl Mackie is fabulous as Bill. Stephanie Hyam is great as Heather. And Nardole is good fun too. If the rest of the season is as good as this, we are in for a treat. And Andy smashes his rating yet again by awarding this story 4.2 macaroon dispensers out of 5. <laughs> is your friend who agrees with you? Yep. That is a good rating. <laughs> Not perfect, but good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. People who are not Andy. Very sorry, our sympathies. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Are they able to learn more about Andy's mannerisms online to emulate his persona and get that much closer to becoming Andy Parkinson? Yes, they are, I hear you say. How can they find Andy? He can be found on the Twitter at Caffrey's 71. That's 71. The what, Marie? Caffrey's. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Next up, penultimate mini. Why it's Eddie Rock! <laughs> <laughs> Eddie starts, hey, who back when? After missing the return of Dr. Mysterio, which I can't say I'm overly sad about, I'm back to rock your eye drums with my mini review of the pilot. Nice. Because it's the opposite of earballs. That's right. As far as (laughs) season premieres go, it wasn't the worst, though it wasn't the best either. Although, between the foreboding vault, so excited for this, and the first cameo appearance of the Thal in probably close to 50 years, it wasn't the Thal though, um, there was definitely fun to be had. And the first cameo appearance of the Mavellans in probably close to 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, very nice. I absolutely see why Eddie's saying that, though. That's a, that is a solid assumption. The Doctor was fantastic, as always. His one-liners and general sense of fun through most of this episode was spot on. The baddie was unique and allowed for the usual exposition required for a new companion episode. It's always hard for shows to build an interesting episode around having to catch everyone up on the previous lore, as it is always done with new TARDIS travellers. In this instance, I feel they pulled it off adequately. Hmm. Adequately. <laughs> adequately oh eddie rock is such a fucking badass (laughs) you go eddie you go (laughs) eddie continues this is my favorite nardo we've gotten so far as he seems to have really found his character at this point here's my friend who agrees with me as for bill eddie's found that like capaldi himself eddie's come to appreciate and enjoy her more each time he watches this season Pearl Mackie does a great job of being charming while also being appropriately freaked out by her first experience with the Doctor and then inevitably addicted to it. Mm. And Eddie gives this episode a 3.1 out of 5 bacon sandwiches that love me back. (laughs) Best one so far. (laughs) See you all next time. Until then, rock on, says Eddie. (laughs) People who are not Eddie Rock guess how to find Eddie Rock on Twitter. There can be only one, so his Twitter handle is what the Eddie Rock. Rock. (laughs) 
Thank you very much, Eddie. Excellent stuff. As always. Next up, last up, who is it? It's Michael Ridgeway. 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 Michael, welcome oh, back. Oh my goodness. How do you even fit into pants? Any pants? They haven't made any yet that'll take the job on. <laughs> <laughs> Michael starts. Hope whoever was not well is feeling better. Stay safe. See? Telltale sign. Michael has a huge heart. Oh, bless him. Yeah. I mean, I knew that anyway, but yes, yet another reason why. Yeah. Michael has been kind enough to provide us with a list of likes and a list of boofs. First, the list of likes. The doctor delivering bonkers lectures on random shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It was pretty out there. Second like, sexy mothellans. But why did the doctor refer to them as friends? Has he forgotten the time they turned out to be robots and tried to kill him? Probably yes. And last like, some unnerving shots of Heather in a puddle. But nothing's ever good enough for Michael, and so he follows up with them with some boobs. First, boobs. who could that be in the vault, I wonder? I sure hope we don't get a ton of spoilers in the coming soon section. <laughs> oh, oh that, that is such a good point. There were way too many spoilers in there. And Heather never really seems threatening. I guess there's a sort of an It Follows vibe, but no way as freaky as the thing that followed the Doctor in Heaven sent, or the water zombies in Waters of Mars, or the swimming pool monster in Seventh Doctor. Masterpiece Paradise Towers. How can it travel through time and space? What was even the race that the fuel belonged to? Yeah, we never find out. Yeah, true. Yeah, and thank goodness nobody evil has ever got hold of this oil to completely take over the universe instantly. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Michael summarizes by saying it's a nice, albeit somewhat forgettable, reset. And he gives this a rating of three out of five sexy mavellans being blown to smithereens. (laughs) No! Make love with sexy mavellans, not war! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good stuff, Michael. (laughs) Something on your mind, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) How can we tell Michael how good his stuff is? Why, thank you for asking me. Here's how you go to Twitter and you pop in twitter.com slash bad underscore underscore movie underscore underscore club. <laughs> and just let the bigness spool out before you. My goodness, so big. You're going to need a huge screen. <laughs> I'm talking like IMAX. <laughs> Only follow Michael Ridgway on Twitter if you have access to an IMAX cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Or maybe a Jumbotron. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Not about you guys. I have had a blast. So what do we have coming up next? Well, in the classic channel, the next review will be of The Visitation. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. After which we're back in New Who territory with what, Marie? Smile! That's right. Who knows when we're doing another audio who review? Well, actually, the next bonus is going to be the next audio, namely what, Drew? Strange readings. Hmm. Oh, whoever wrote and starred in and produced that is just, oh, wow. What people. This has been a fantastic time. People can say hello to us uh, between now and whenever the next episode uh, lands, and at some point in the even more distant future. Drew, can you be found online? I can, at Drewback When. 
That is some spiffing branding. Uh, Marie, I believe you are on the gram. I am at Ham, Mash and Jelly. Well, those are three mm, of my favourite things. My favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> and I can be found as Ponken because who knows? Those are six of my favourite letters <laughs> in a completely random order. <laughs> <laughs> really likes that. Oh. <laughs> Until the next time, please be safe. Rock on. Cha cha. Ow. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> bye. Kissy. Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao Bing bong, future Drew back when here. On further reflection, I believe Bill was quoting from the Bible in her essay on laser cooling of ions because... If we assume the Doctor is talking about her and not Missy down by the vault, he's teaching her everything. And also, quantum physics and poetry are the same thing because of the rhymes. Bing bong.